Inequality that has its roots in the garden narrative where Adam and Eve said, we're going to be more equal than anybody else. We're going to choose what's right and define what's right for ourselves at the expense of God or anybody else. So inequality has its root in the sin nature that every one of us as human beings faces. Its core is selfishness. I will choose naturally left to my own devices. I will choose to do what's best for me. And by implication, what's best for my family or my community or my tribe or my church or my nation. And the gospel is different to that. True equality comes when we consider others more than ourselves. Hey guys, welcome to the Christians in Culture podcast, episode 9. Today I'm here with Jimmy and Rowan and we're talking about equality. Big topic, everyone. It's a massive, massive topic. Good to have you with us. Uh, It's a socially and politically charged topic that um, a lot of people have an opinion about. um, And we want to talk about it from a biblical standpoint. Right. It, it, It really does, I suppose, invoke some emotion um, both from men and women and from all kinds of racial groups and economic groups and w- we want to have a bit of a holistic discussion about how we should be looking at this issue of equality as Christians. In other words, it's not enough just for us to be equal. In, we're all equal to each other but we're not equal to anybody else. If true equality requires everyone to be equal. That's right, yeah. that's really good. So to start, we need to come at this hot topic from the scriptures. So, Pastor Ron, what does the Bible have to say about equality? Hey, everyone. Well, the Bible has a lot to say right back from the beginning of the book, actually. From the beginning of Genesis, really, we find the fundamental doctrine of equality laid out in the Genesis account of the garden, really. That's where we would, as Christians, we would build our theology upon this issue. Uh, but I guess for the sake of time, we haven't really got time to go back there. I, I say as a bit of a preface that I think it's really good that the, the, the society, our society, certainly here in the West, is making a bigger deal about equality. Uh, I think that's, there's benefit in that. And the reason I say it's good is because Jesus himself is the great equalizer. Jesus spent so much of his life going around uh, raising up, bringing equality to the downtrodden and the underprivileged and he spent most of his time with the i think the jews call them the amharets the commoners and so he he wanted to to lift up and lift up those who were downtrodden and bring down those who were uh, imposing themselves upon uh and and causing others to be victimized it's a very central thing to the heart of god and so therefore i think it's a good thing that the the world is aware of equality but i guess the problem is when it comes to it is what do we mean by equality equality for whom and uh, how do we truly treat people equally because inequality as i said has its roots in the garden narrative where adam and eve decided that they would uh, seize equality for themselves they said we're going to be more equal than anybody else we're going to choose what's right and define what's right for ourselves at the expense of god or anybody else Mm -hmm. 
And of course, the rest is history. So, so inequality has its root in the sin nature that every one of us as human beings faces. Its core is selfishness. And I still face this. I will choose, naturally left to my own devices, I will choose to do what's best for me. And by implication and extension, what's best for my family or my community or my tribe or, or my church or my nation. And, and the list goes on. Anything that benefits me and us uh, will naturally take precedent. And the gospel is different to that. True equality comes when we consider others more than ourselves. So I would even go so far as to say in the New Testament, I think it's potentially the biggest issue that the New Testament addresses. Mm. And I mean bigger in many ways than giving your life to Christ, getting saved and going to heaven when you die. The context of the New Testament actually isn't about that. The primary context that the gospel message is being presented in the New Testament, certainly in Paul's writings, and I I think in Peter's writings and, and others as well, is is in the concept of equality is in in this view that all people are created equal in god's eyes and god has come to restore humanity to all people i'm saying a lot here but is this okay well i think when we talk about paul a lot of people think that the apostle paul is anti-women he's anti-gay he's anti-jewish he's anti-pagan but really that's not the case mm. uh, in, if you put the apostle paul into his context quite the opposite in fact he's probably one of the greatest advocates for equality uh, not just in his time but probably throughout history we have to remember the context that he's writing in there is a deeply uh, a deep level of inequality in that society and paul is bringing a different message he deeply believed in the intrinsic value of every human being irrespective of the race or the creed or the gender or the social status or the sexual mm. orientation or anything he believed that all people deserve to be treated with dignity because all humanity was called to image God, image bearers of God. Mm. And Paul teaches in Titus 3 that without Christ, every person is equally without hope. Mm -hmm. And in Christ, we're equally with hope. Mm -hmm. So his mentality and his desire is not to ostracize people because they believe different or behave different. He wanted to help people to realize that if you come into a relationship with Christ, you have hope. And in that hope, that will determine and shape how you live your life. That's great. I think Paul had the ultimate role model too. And he Mm. says to imitate me as I imitate Christ. And that's where he's getting all of this from. Mm. uh, Just as um, Pastor Rowan encouraged you guys to go and find where this issue is dealt with in the Bible. Go and see where Jesus deals with this issue and how he deals with that issue. Well, I just want to read to you guys from the scriptures in Luke 18. It's the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And in, I'll, I'll paraphrase that, um, Jesus spoke a parable against, against the Pharisees, um, and he spoke about how a Pharisee walked into the temple and he prayed a prayer that uh, was basically, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, like robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like a, this tax collector. And he goes on to say, I do all of these great things and I'm so, so amazing. And the tax collector walks in, he stands at a distance, he can't even look up to heaven. He beats his breast and says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I, as I was watching this video the other day, I, it was like a, it was a, the Bible on Stan. And the way that they portrayed this was that the Pharisee was standing there and um, Matthew was also 
taking taxes at the time. And Jesus was telling this parable in the marketplace and he's rebuking this Pharisee that's there, but he's also looking directly at Matthew and saying, I heard your prayer this morning when you were in there, a tax collector that couldn't even look their eyes to heaven. There Mm. is a juxtaposition between those that are lofty and proud Mm. than those who are humble Mm. and hungering for righteousness. So good, Adam. Love it. Good thought. Great thought. So much of the Western world has been established on what we could term Christian colonialism. So firstly, is it a good thing? Why or why not? But firstly, Jimmy, can you just define Christian colonialism for us? Christian colonialism. Um, so Christian colonialism is, suppose, the suppose whitewashing of uh, cultures. Whitewashing. Yeah. No, that that was yeah. very profound. Right. Yeah. So profound. whitewashing of, of cultures. So when it comes to terms of um, our Australian culture, um, when we say. Christian colonialism came in from the Europeans uh, and sort of not eradicated, but very, very much made it very uh, small part of what the Australian culture was. Um, very in, the indigenous Aboriginal culture um, was sort of wiped away mm-hmm. and in came the, in, the Christian culture from, uh, from Europe. And I think that's probably... I know. Is that probably a good That's way good. of explaining that? Just as you say that, I just pull up, pulled up my notes from a sermon I preached on this topic a few weeks back. And I, I don't even know where I saw this comment, but it, it talk, it's mm. defining colonialism. And it's, it's talking about human nature, but this is what colonialism does. When it's faced with people who are different to mm. us, yeah. there are four different ways that humans deal with this. Mm. One, we eliminate people who are different to us. Mm. Two, we assimilate people who are different mm. to us. Three, we just abandon them altogether. Or four, we ignore them. Mm. And each of those is a definition of, mm. I guess, colonialism. Probably the main ones are either eliminate or assimilate. Mm. Um, and we have other social issues with abandonment and, and ignorance at the moment. Mm. But I guess that's kind of what you're saying, Jimmy. Yeah. It's this sense of we know what's right. Yeah. Let's let's make yeah. everyone like us. Yeah, and that's the thing. We do, like we don't need to do a history lesson on um, some of the atrocities that have happened um, to our Aboriginal brothers and sisters um, in when Australia was colonised by the European, yes. or even colonised might be the wrong word for some people yes. as well. So, um, right. so oh, yeah. we won't we won't go down that path because that's sort of not where we're going in this, this episode. Suffice it um, to say that it's probably not a good thing. No. Not the way we've defined it. Yeah. Um, so, is it a good thing? Uh, no, not in that way. Uh, so, why or why not? Okay, so we'll just sort of jump in. So, have a look at Galatians 3, 23 to 29. I'll read it out because my summaries won't be as succinct as others. So, uh, so starting at verse 23. Uh, Before this faith came... We were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the supervision of the law. You are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, Slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. 
and I think that just sort of knocks out of the the water the whole being anti anything yeah. right there for Paul. Yeah. Um, he would put stipulations on his comments there if he really was anti something. Um, he was all about us being one in Christ Jesus. Yeah, good point. Uh, and I think that that's what we need to be thinking about when we're talking about um, equality. Uh, so a bit of background at Galatians was, was that it was the racial issue that he's yeah. dealing with there in, that, in yeah. the context of the book of Galatians, mm. the Bible teacher coming out of him. In the context of the book of Galatians in, in Galatian, region of Galatia, in north, oh, sorry, in central Turkey as it is today, mm. was that the Jews and the Gentiles were trying to figure out what it looks like to exist in the same community when the mm. Jews were staunchly saying, you need to become a Jew. You need to become mm. like us yeah. in order to be one of us mm. and Paul was very emphatic against that that's yeah. the context isn't yeah. it not not chucking stumbling blocks in front of people yeah. to become a Christian like, um, it's all about it doesn't matter what your background is uh, it doesn't matter about your practices were you are now part of Christ we yes. are all one yep. um, I so often th- come to an analogy yeah. of like my work mm. I step into work and I put a uniform on. And when, when Paul says that you're clothed in righteousness, mm. we all look the same. Mm. We, we're all clothed in the same righteousness. And when I think about my work, there are people from all different races, backgrounds, mm. religions, sexualities, mm. all different. And they're all clothed in that same uniform. Mm. And we're all part of the same tribe. We're Great yeah. thought. We, not only that, we all carry mm. the same authority yeah. as well. We all yeah. have the same and we all operate in the name of the queen like it's mm. the the it, the analogy is quite broad it's really big mm. and and that's what this paul's saying like mm. we're all clothes we're all child children of god called for the same gospel yeah and i think i'm finding it hard to talk about this topic today for some unknown reason and i'm not quite sure but i think that i know that it's so important but I don't know if I've actually been a great advocate for equality as much as I should have. Right. Um, and I'm not, it's just more of a feeling that I've got. I know because I'm passionate about equality. Um, I'm constantly sitting in the grey as much as possible on a lot of topics to try and understand both sides as much as I can so that then I can be a voice for equality. Um, but I just don't know if I've actually done it as well as I probably should have, or uh, uh, as I, as well as I could have, um, and I just think back to conversations I've had over the years as I as 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 I've been growing up in whether it's been in leadership with you youth or things like that, and about have I been giving a voice to to women as much as I should have? Um, I think that I've been all right at it, but I don't know if I have been the best at it, and I I want to make sure that when it comes to equality because it's such an important topic because that's what Jesus came. He came to make us all one in Christ yes. that I'm making sure that I am not being a stumbling block to people, that I am making sure that I, uh, whether it is, um, whether I am in some sort of leadership or whether I am just someone alongside someone that I'm not being a stumbling block to Jesus um, and I'm not being uh, downplaying someone's, um, worth in Christ for the choices or the decisions or for who they are, um, you know, whether they're born into something. I'm not, uh, I need to not be that. And for some reason, I think 
I'm just <laughs> struggling to talk about it because I think in my mind I'm just wrestling all these things at the same time. That's fantastic. Um, I think bit of background there. We, we actually start and stop this podcast episode. First time we've done it, episode nine, first one we've had to start and stop, but we felt as though we were just floundering a little bit because, mm. and we have a sense that it's because of the, the significance of this issue mm. and the fact that we all carry with us, which I think I'm hearing mm. you say, and I do the same, we carry with us implicit bias. Mm. We, we might want to believe in equality, but we all struggle with it because we've grown up in a certain culture or a certain yeah. uh, background, and that does shape us. And mm. it's not all bad, but it's just uh, being self-aware enough to know, mm. well, how does that play itself out in gender inequality or mm. in racial inequality or in, mm. in uh, inequality against people with mental illness or whatever it might be there is yeah. all kinds of areas and arenas mm. of life where this is an issue and yeah. i think i love the fact that you're saying yourself you want to be self-aware enough to yeah. recognize that Jimmy. Mm. yeah and i think like that's i think that's just where my struggle is because i know that uh especially when we just talked in the last episode on the big issues um where some of those issues are talked about equality issues say especially in like the lgbt yeah. um qi yeah. um, issue uh yeah, yes. I don't want to say issues, but that's yeah. the What's word that's coming out of my mouth at yes. the moment. Yep. But where, like, in my context of growing, growing up, in my context of even my theological studies, I was in the um, in a seminary where I had people of different backgrounds, people from different denominations, and people of different sexual orientation. Mm. Some of them were studying or were ministers of the word, mm. and so for me. I've had so much from both sides about this topic that I'm still you still know working, where how does it look like what does it look like from an equality me? perspective from as well. a, for equality like I just don't yeah. um, <laughs> it's it's something that I've been so bombarded with I just find it really hard to sort of um, to sit in because yeah I just don't know if I've done it well enough right great so thought. just talking about it. so anyway so well in, in the Galatians I mean they were yeah. the, essentially the Jews were saying you yeah. need to become like us you need yeah. to get circumcised and, and yeah. the Apostle Paul's so furious with that mm. uh, he says in Galatians 5.12 he says those that are telling you to get circumcised I wish they'd just go and completely castrate themselves is what mm. he was saying yeah. he was so frustrated yep. that people were putting barriers in place mm. to prevent others from meeting Christ mm. Mm. and that's really very, he was very adamant. In many ways, yeah. he was very similar to how Jesus was with the Pharisees. Anytime anybody who presumed to operate on behalf of God's kingdom was creating barriers, that's when Jesus had yeah. words to say. That's when the Apostle Paul had mm. words to yeah. say. And that should that should be mm. sobering for us, not to think, oh, mm. no, we don't create barriers. But no. but let's let's be honest with ourselves, mm. as you're saying. Yeah. And go, well, where am I creating barriers of inequality? Where, mm. I am say, where am I yeah. saying that my race or, or my style of church service or, yeah. or whatever is, is somehow inf- uh, superior mm. to yeah. anybody else? Well, even Paul even says it, it like in chapter 5 verse 1 is it is for freedom that Christ has set us free Um, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery like we just don't want to be let ourselves be burdened um, and create blockages for people we want to create freedom for people we want to create and that's where equality is a lot about freedom as well and I think that's an important thing to to be looking at together. Yeah, so we don't need to be a certain race. We don't need to adopt certain cultural practices uh, to be a Christian, to be accepted into the body of Christ. Um, That's a really good Christianese term I just used there. Um, But that's unfortunately a lot of what society is telling us, though, that we need to be accepting of a particular view 
to to be included to in be the included. Yep. If not, that's it's if you don't include if you don't take a certain point of view culturally, you are not being you are not showing equality. Uh, and I think that that's something that we, uh, as Christians, are finding it hard to navigate at the moment is that how do we then, we have truths that we hold, um, and then how do we hold firm to those truths in a culture which is saying that that is not um, showing equality mm. um, as yeah. well. I think equality comes down to the fact that we are the image of God. We, collectively, are the Amago Day, the image of God. And one thing I've learned in the last few weeks, listening to like our, our beautiful pastors, Ivana and um, Edwina, who preached an incredible sermon on Sunday, is the idea that we are collectively the image of God. Yep. He said, he, the Genesis talks about how God created mankind Male and female, he created them. So he, they speak specifically about mankind, mm. which is male and male female. And, yep. and without, and, and at that moment, after that has been created, God stands and says, that's very good. Yep. Everything else was good, but that was very good. We were created firstly to be in relationship with God. We were created to be in relationship with each other, but we were also created male and female to complement each other mm-hmm. to I know for a fact that my wife is so much different to me and she but the the way that she um, goes about her life and the person that she is fills in all the gaps that mm-hmm. I fall short in yeah. and I, I wholeheartedly believe that she was created to complete me mm-hmm. to so that we together can be the image of God yeah. both here in the church and out in the world mm. Great. Well, it has implications too, I think, um, this whole concept of equality when it comes to issues of, well, you're talking about completion. You're talking about, you know, imaging God there. And the fact is that together, male and female, together, the, the, the different races, together, we, yeah. we all image God. We're That's all right. image bearers and we all need one another in order to, to be the full image of stamp of god upon the world and so you get things like one of my favorite points is i I like to do the abc vote compass i think i mentioned this before and and one of the questions on the abc vote compass is something like should you know people who move to immigrants who come to australia should they be required to adopt cultural practices australian cultural practice whatever they what is an australian cultural practice practice what a barbecue on that's right football meat pies kangaroos and holding cars you know what 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 is what is australian cultural practice now i'm not here to say to you what you believe about that i just think that we these are the sorts of questions that we need to address biblically we need to think them through because we shouldn't just automatically assume that whatever we think is extraying cultural practices mm. is automatically the best thing. Well, is it a biblical practice? Is it a biblical practice? Yeah. Because mm. so there's a lot of things that are biblical yeah. practices that we don't adhere to, which yeah. we probably should be yeah. doing more compared to there's a lot of Australian cultural practice that we probably jump on really easy yeah. um, and so don't even think about the consequences or what the biblical you know outcomes of following that is that's right it's it's whether we it's the degree to which we allow diversity yeah i would go one little bit further and say is that a kingdom practice yeah because 
we might have seen it in the Bible, but if we take it out of context and we don't say, is this what Jesus' kingdom look like, yeah. then, you know, that's mm. a... Okay. Well, I want to pick up on that because um, Pastor Lars Halverson, I've heard him say this, he's a pastor at C3 Church in Darwin before, and he's got a very multi-ethnic church. And, and I heard him someone mention to him about being, you know, having, you know, being... Uh, you know, multicultural. He said, no, 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 I actually think we're multi-ethnic, but we're kingdom cultured or something to that effect. And so I think, you know, we are called, Jimmy, you in the last episode were talking about the Ecclesia being the called out one. So we're called out to be one new people group from within the world. That doesn't, we can still identify as Australian or or whatever nation on earth we come from. Mm. Um, But our primary a primary identification is the ecclesia, the church of God. Yeah. And we have that culture, those values are, must take precedent. The kingdom values mm. must take precedent over everything else. But I think that allows for diversity. Mm. I think that yeah. allow that doesn't squash diversity. Mm. It yeah. allows for it. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And I think we often forget the story of Rahab and how she was adopted into the people of God. She was a foreigner. Yeah. But she was loved and counted just the same. Mm. And it, what a beautiful story. And I think we need to often go back to the Bible and just try to find these stories that can help us understand equality better. Well, Galatians 3, Jimmy, you read it. Paul's not saying there is, there is no, no slave or free or mm. Jew or Gentile. He's not saying that you cease to be a Jew or you cease to be a Gentile. Mm. He's actually, it's diversifying speech. He's, mm. saying, he's allowing for people to be Jewish. He's allowing mm. for people to be non-Jewish. He's just saying that when it comes to the kingdom of Christ, mm. that is no longer a distinguishing factor. No, we are all one. We are all one. In Christ. He's saying you don't cease to be male or female. Yeah. You maintain your maleness or your femaleness, but you're still united. Those, 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 diverse what's the word i'm after those diversities those Mm. differences Mm. those complementing differences they aren't supposed to divide you Mm. they are not dividing factors you Mm. maintain them but you are unified around a person Mm. not around being the same gender or the Mm. same culture or the same practice Mm. or the same race or the same ethnicity or the same thing or the same financial level that those things are allowed to be diversified but you're still united around christ so yeah, definitely. And like I've got like my closest friends, which I've been, we've been friends for 15 years or so. Um, we came together and became friends in the church. Our backgrounds are all different. Um, you know, some of us grew up and some grew up in the church. Some of us didn't. Um, our financial backgrounds are all different. Our family dynamics are different. But then also our, all our passions and our um are, are all different as well where mm. if we, it wasn't for the church we would never have been friends Fantastic. we would never have met each other mm. but yet we are all as close as ever that's awesome yeah. we might not see each other as often as we we used to but we're all close we all chat regularly we all do stuff to get we try and catch up as often as we can but without the church we weren't we wouldn't even know each other mm. yeah, and so that's good. that's just what it is it's just that's that's the power of the church, the power of coming together and being different, but coming together to be one. Yeah, I yeah. think one of the things we often forget, like, yes, we've got all of these cultures, but we have different generations. Generational well. differences. Yeah. And, and that's something that I haven't really turned my mind towards. And I was listening to um, a podcast, Joshua Gagnon's leadership podcast, and they were interviewing um, Gordon MacDonald. 
And he's quite an elderly man now. I'm not sure how old he is. He's almost 80. 80. I listened to him on Kerry Newhoff's leadership podcast the other day. That's what I I think that's it. Yeah, that's what I was listening to. He was at Josh Gagnon's church, but Kerry interviewed him, yeah. And they were talking about just turning your mind to those people in your church that are older and the the fact that they have different fears. Yes. They have many different fears and and their fears are often to do with dying, and, and who's going to look after me? And what happens if I lose my mind? What, what, what happens if I get demented? Who's mm-hmm. going to, you know? And I think what you're saying, um, mm-hmm. Jimmy, they were talking about how like these, these elderly people, they get together in the church and that is the space in which they thrive and their relations, so good. their relationships are so beautiful and their conversations are always around Christ. And, and like us younger people, we, we have different things. Like I, I know that, my main concern in, in at the moment is how do I provide for my family? And whereas, uh, you know, a person that's leaving school is concerned, like, what am I going to do with my life? Yeah. You know, completely. Do, and the, it's a diversity of generational issues. And we can all learn from each and every one of them and also support each and every one of them in, in, in a way that helps us live for others more than ourselves. When the New Testament talks, I love what you're saying about gender differences there because I think all, sorry, the generational differences because I think any of these diversity issues, unity, diversity issues, the New Testament does deal with the, probably most of them in one form or another, but the, the one that most commonly comes up is ethnic and mm. that was the context. Mm. But I think we can apply it to all the different ones. So that's the framework the Apostle Paul's often dealing with. So for instance, after Paul and Barnabas have done their mission trip and they I think it's their, their first mission trip. They come back to Antioch. And then they're sent to Jerusalem because there was these Jews that were saying that the believers need to become like us. They need to be circumcised and they need to obey the law of Moses. And, and uh, the, the scriptures tell us that Paul and Barnabas got quite upset about this and said, no, 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 we're not going to put stumbling blocks. And so they went to Jerusalem to discuss the issue. And uh, they, they shared around it. And they came up with a united agreement in, uh, I think it's uh, Acts chapter... Oh, gone blank now 15 i think top of my head the council at jerusalem about acts 15 that's just my guess i came up with a jimmy can check it while i'm talking and this this united agreement that they said was we don't want to put any burdens on you other than these we want you to abstain from sexual immorality from the meat of strangled animals and from blood yeah it's acts 15 it's a strange mix of things. Obviously, I think the sexual immorality makes sense, but some of us might go, well, what's the deal with the meat of strangled animals? I like my goose liver pate or whatever it might be. What's, what's the deal there? We, I, like my, I personally like my steak very... I like it when, I, when I go to, go to a restaurant, and they say, how do you like your steak? I say, preferably mooing, because I like <laughs> it like as, as rare as I can get it. Mm. But, but that would be wrong in that context. So what, what are they saying? They're saying, make sure that the Jews are putting boundaries on you guys that are unreasonable, but out of mutual respect back to the Jews, here's some things you can do. Because he goes on and says, because these practices have been practiced in synagogues since the earliest times. So this concept of mutuality, of mutual submission. Hey, you Gentiles, we're not asking you to be circumcised, but could you show some respect back to the Jews, back to other people? And when you're in the context of the Jewish people, could you avoid these things? Because these things will be a barrier to the Jews. And so equality is, is actually the opposite of what happened in the garden. Mm. It's refusing to claim what I want for me mm. and saying, I'm choosing to lay down what I want so that other people could have a relationship with Christ. Yeah. yeah, I think you've touched at the heart of the issue right there is that 
um, trying to take what's mine, trying to, you know... Claim my rights. Yeah, that's right, at the cost of any other. And and that is the the crux of the problem there. Um, And we see it overflowing throughout all of society. The gospel's the opposite. I love that you've used the word juxtaposition a few times. The juxtaposition of the gospel is give up your rights. Don't claim them. Don't claim my moral rights and my society. It's actually Jesus would say, if you want to follow me, take up your cross, lay down your life, give Mm -hmm. up your rights and and follow me. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It seems not long ago Christians were viewed as people with high morality, but it seems now that... People kind of see Christians as bigoted and hateful, um, that we don't treat people equally. How did this happen and, and <laughs> what can we do about it? <laughs> Great like, question. How did this happen? <laughs> have a go, Jimmy. Do you oh, want to have a crack at that one? How did it happen? <laughs> sorry, I was speaking to the microphone. How did it happen? Oh, sorry, I was having a bit of a laugh off to the side. Um, oh, a number of so things. So many things. Um, I think that probably the big thing is that culturally um as we sort of relied on culture to be the definition of what a christian is um when we talked we've talked about cultural christianity before i think the more and more we relied on society and culture to tell us what a christian is we moved further and further away from what the bible and the church says that's a good point is um what a christian is and um and what our morals should be Mm. um not saying that we shouldn't be continually going back and reviewing um, what it's what the Bible says about topics and what the Bible says about um, about issues, but we just sort of let culture run away with what a Christian is and should be to where it is at a point now where a Christian is now um, a bigot or whether you know and all these it it, it came from where Christians had this higher moral standing to now where Christians have um, are now on the other side where fear mongers, where bigots, where everything else, instead of being... Homophobic. Homophobic. Pedophilic. Yeah, exactly. And so we've yeah. let Hypocrite. society Hypocrite. and Hypocrite. let culture drive the, um, I suppose, the narrative of what a Christian is instead of Christians not taking ownership of what a Christian is and really driving that narrative through their actions, through their words and through the way that the church expresses that. Mm. I'd add to that that I think that our slowness in recognising that slide Mm. has been an issue. So we have been, Christians have been trying to, uh, quote unquote Christians, have been trying to somehow maintain some moral standard unaware that the slide away from that in society has meant that the gulf is more apparent and mm. therefore when a, when the christian church tries to speak about some moral standard that it has and then it only takes a few people and uh, tragically it's been a lot more than a few significant leaders in the church that mm. have had moral failure mm. and that just has widened mm. that gulf of ex- expectation mm. And so you end up with people thinking that the church is full of hypocrites. Mm. Mm. And yeah, uh, that is definitely added to it, I think. Yeah. And I think that's where, when we're talking about equality, that a lot of the, f- and there's been a lot of um, failures, but there's also been a lot of talk from um, outspoken, ex- like people who hold really extreme views that are the ones that are getting latched on by culture and creating all this noise that shows that, apparently that Christians aren't about equality. Mm. 
you know, when you know, we just talk about, um, so was it John, what's his name? John, McCl- no, it Mac- talked John about MacArthur. MacArthur, yes. that's the one. Uh, and when they did some unfortunate word association um, about a, a female um, a female preacher, a female teacher, Beth Moore, uh, and just yeah, the association that they used was one was go home. Mm. Um, it's terrible. And then another Without one being. was um, you don't narcissist. Yeah. And you just and and then it's just like and there's been and a few podcasts recently have just touched on that just about how wrong that is mm. and just the fact that <laughs> with the word narcissist because that she places herself in the scripture. And it was just funny. I think it was on the Holy Post. Uh, I think it was Sky uh, spoke about on the Holy Post podcast. That's what you're meant to do as a Christian is place yourself in the, the, scriptures, the scriptures are written and yeah. really immerse yourself in there and be like, okay, so then how's that going to speak to me? And they're just saying, well, Beth Moore's apparently a narcissist because she does that. Mm. Then, well, all Christians should be really good narcissists then. Yes. If, yeah. that's, if, if that's, that's what, what a term of a narcissist is. is. Yeah. It's yeah. not. But I'm just saying that we're just, yeah. So. Look, I would challenge the Christians that were in the room that day that we're all laughing and laughing. cheering. Oh, jeez. And, and I would ask them, who have you shared the gospel with this week? <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> like drop. because, yeah. you, you know, it's all good and well to throw stones, but, you know, even Jesus didn't cast a stone. Mm. Jesus probably picked up a stone and, and showed it to them and mm. said, look, I could cast a stone. I could cast this stone. And I'm not. But, but I'm not. not. Yeah, Stoop great. down and... so. You know, far be it from me to cast a stone. Absolutely. Well, I reckon there's there's actually more of a similarity between the way that non-Christians and Christians judge the moral issue than we probably realise as Christians. Mm. So the world, I think, wants the morals of Judeo-Christian ethic in many ways. Not all of them, but they wants that thing of people being treated equal and so on. Wants that without the moral lawgiver who gives it. They want the kingdom without the king. We've talked about quoting Mark Sayers on that. Christians often want the morals without realizing that we only have those morals because Christ has come into our heart and has yep. enabled us to live by a certain standard. Mm. So we, in both cases, we're dealing with the morality without the, the one who gives us the ability to That's live right. by the morality. Mm. And our job is to introduce people in the world to God, not just to try to shift their morality mm. without them having a relationship with mm. Christ. I think our mandate is not to make bad people behave good, mm. but introduce mm. sinners to a gracious God. Yeah. And, and that is, um, if it's okay with you, can I just do a little Bible study for a Go moment for before yeah. we close yeah. up? Uh, I preached this in a message but uh, that I preached as I opened up our series at church that's accompanying this, this podcast. And this is some stuff that Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. I'm just going to read through bits and pieces of it and just draw a couple of thoughts out. Because once again, in the book of Ephesians, Paul's dealing with the issue of Jews and Gentiles and the, the seeming inequality between them. Very similar to what you read at the beginning of this episode, Jimmy, and out of, out of Galatians. He says, in, uh, Galatians, he says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, he says, Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathen by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. So the first thing here is that he's reminding them that they used to be the outsiders. And it's very easy for us, when we read these passages, I think we need to see that ourselves as, if you're a Christian and you're listening to this, we need to read this as though we're the insiders and then honestly take an assessment of uh, what is Paul saying to the insiders about how they should behave? Yeah. Because it's the whole Pharisee 
issue we did in a recent podcast too we we find ourselves pharisees so he says you guys used to be outsiders why were you outsiders because those who were inside called you uncircumcised heathens Hmm. that's a derogatory term in case you didn't realize if Hmm. anyone calls you an uncircumcised heathen it's derogatory so it was the people who were supposed to be representing god who were supposed to image god on the earth the insiders the jews who were isolating and and talking down and treating as unequal those who were outside so the reason they were outside is because the insiders weren't loving them enough weren't treating them equally he says in those days you you were living apart from christ but now verse 13 you've been united with christ jesus once you were away from god but now you've been brought near through the blood of christ it's christ that unites us verse 14 for christ himself has brought to us brought peace to us he united Jews and Gentiles into one new people when on his own body on the cross he broke down the, host- the wall of hostility that separated us. You could say he's united male and female. He's united the ethnicities. He's united the generations. In Christ we are one. I think we're getting that point across hopefully. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating one new people from two different groups. Whenever there is diversity, Paul, uh, Paul is saying Jesus on the cross created unity Mm. together as one body christ reconciled both groups to god by means of his death on the cross and our hostility towards each other was put to death we're all reconciled as equal because of what christ has done not because of our morality not because of our race not because of our political position not because of our financial status not because of our gender or our age or anything we're united together because of what christ has done that should hopefully be an underlying factor to why we need to have unity why we need to be for equality yeah Beautiful. On that note, we will end this episode of the podcast. We really hope that this has blessed you guys. We can't wait to uh, continue with the next episode. Like we've asked in the other episodes, please rate, review, subscribe, share, and uh, go out and make disciples. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone.